You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, gals. Welcome back to The Devoted Podcast. Hey, before I jump into what we're going to go into today, I would love to ask you guys if you have a question or something that you would love us to cover on The Devoted Podcast. I would love to know. I, I put out on our Instagram channel, on Athey Women's Instagram channel, that just, you know, if y'all did any questions. And some of you guys sent in some really great ideas. So for those of you who did that, thank you. Those are going to be coming. There were some good stuff. There, One of y'all asked questions about maybe doing an episode about misunderstood scripture. Ooh, I really liked that one. We've talked about some of those on the podcast before, but I think that's always worth looking into because we do want to be so careful with how we handle the word and if we're taking things out of context and things like that. So that idea really got me excited. But there was also some other kind of some heavy topics, and and that's good too because the wonderful thing about the word and about the Lord is he has things to say about all the things in our life. And I want us to just always be directing ourselves to the Word and what the Word tells us on things that are hard, things that are good, all the in-between. So I'd love to hear from you guys on that. You guys are you guys are smart. You got some good questions and I love it. We've even had some where you guys have sent in some questions and I've responded to you guys on email, but I've been kind of hanging on to those because we I keep telling y'all we're going to do maybe a Q&A episode at some time. And then I keep pushing it out. So I'm sorry about that. I just kind of getting a list together and we will do that at some point too. So just a reminder, all the ways that you can find us, you can always email me at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com. You can always check us out on Instagram at atheywomen. And I we definitely keep an eye on that. And if I miss it, the team sees it and they make sure that, that I get to see your questions and messages on that. So today, Speaking of all of the in-between that we cover, I want to talk about things that we practice. What things do we practice? This has been an episode that I have to say has been living on a sticky note on my desk probably, well, gals, it's been a while. I don't know. There's just different things as I'm studying the word and doing things. Sometimes just a thought pops in my brain and and I just slap it on a sticky note and just leave it there for a while. And over time, scriptures come up and and sometimes they just take a little bit to develop into what that looks like and what it's going to be. Other times I wake up and I just go, man, that episode I was planning on doing, nope, going to do something completely different. Well, a little bit that way today, even though this podcast was, the idea was planted some time ago, I was supposed to be podcasting on something else today. But as I was praying about it, I was like, I want to look at the things that we're supposed to practice. I always love how when I look to these scriptures and the things that the Lord says about these things, it always has a word for me as well. So, you know, I just want for those things to be hopefully poured out to you guys too and a reminder of what the word says about these things. So when we think about the things that we practice, what do we even mean by practice? Did your mom ever say, you know, practice makes perfect? I know that my mom did. I probably said it to my kids. Where does that come from? Well, I'm pretty sure my mom used it as a tool to get me to practice piano when I really didn't want to. Did your mom say that to you? You know, when you were supposed to practice your piano, practice makes perfect. Come on. We say that. Is it true? Is it true that the things that we practice 
really do make perfection. So I love to get a little nerdy sometimes and actually see what, you know, scientists and and people that study the brain think about these things. And as I was looking at this, I stumbled across a TED Talk. It's this short little video. Guys, I I think it's like five minutes long. I'll I'll put the link in the show notes in case you're nerdy and you want to check it out too. But it talked about a little bit about what we mean by practice. And does practice make perfect? What is the science and the brain behind that? I won't get into all of that stuff because, to be fair, I don't even understand. When they start talking about gray matter and white matter in the brain, I kind of glaze over. I'm not real sure what they're saying there. But there were some good things that I thought it was interesting about the mechanics even of our brain and what it means to practice effectively. One of the things that this study that they were reporting on in this little TED Talk did was they said it was an unexpected finding from cognitive science that practice does not make perfect. Interesting. Is this blowing up all of your make your kids practice piano myths? Well, hang on. They went on and said that practice until you are perfect and you will be perfect only briefly. What is necessary is sustained practice. And by sustained practice, they mean regular ongoing review or use of target material. Here's the part you got to tune in on because it's it's not just practicing something, but then it says practice past the point of mastery is necessary to meet any of the important goals of instruction, which is acquiring knowledge, learning skills, and becoming an expert. So, okay, in summary, what that's saying is that you can't just do something habitually. You can't just do something in practice it and do something over and over to become necessarily an expert or really, really good at that. What they're saying actually is you have to actually push yourself past the point of mastery in order to get to that goal of learning that skill or, you know, acquiring that knowledge or becoming an expert. That you have to push yourself past the point of mastery. So what do we mean by practice? So just a definition of what that means. It's it's the repetition of an action with the goal of improvement. Kind of a no-duh, right? You're not going to practice something unless you want to improve, right? But I want to say too, sometimes that gets a little gray because at times we might just do something because we do it. Yeah, we're practicing it. We're not necessarily having any goal in mind at all. We're just doing it because I don't know. Well, we've always done it this way, so I guess we're going to keep doing this. But we probably need to ask ourselves the things that we're even putting in our life as habits or things that we just do all the time without even really thinking about them. Why are we doing those things? And is there a goal of improving on those things? So back when I was telling you the nerdiness of the brain and all that kind of stuff, you know, they talk about the things that you do to create muscle memory. And this was interesting because scientists actually say there isn't actually muscle memory per se. Our muscles can't remember stuff, but it actually is something that all goes into the brain and it all happens there. And the process of doing something, pushing yourself past the point of mastery as you practice something over and over and over, it's not necessarily making your muscles remember something, but it's actually almost making like it says like a super highway of neural pathways in your brain that make things faster and more efficient. But mastering something isn't simply about the amount of hours, even the amount of time, you know, that you put in on something, but it's also the quality and that effectiveness. So, This is where we're kind of pushing towards past the point of mastery, and this is a piece of the definition of practice and what it really should look like that we might not love, 
But the article went on to say that effective practice is consistent, it's intensely focused, and it targets content or weaknesses that lie at the edge of our current abilities. That is so true, right? Now, we get this in the context of if you've never played piano, I'm sorry to belabor the point of piano. I played piano. I practiced piano. I am not proficient. I am not good. In fact, we talk about my youngest son also plays piano, and he's far better than mom is. But when we think about when we're practicing something, say piano, it's because we want to be able to play that piece with proficiency. We want to be able to, man, blaze through that song without even looking at the music. That is definitely pushing beyond our current abilities when we first sit down and we get that piece of music for the first time. There's weakness there, right? There's things that are on the edge of our current abilities that we have to push through. So back to the little TED Talk, it tells us there's some things that we need to do in order to increase and do better at our practice. And some of these, you guys could probably sit there and go, well, this would be pretty easy to figure out. First one, focus, right? It takes really concentrated focus to practice and do something better. Second thing it mentions is to minimize distractions. That, again, is one that I think we all know and yet is a super hard one to do because of phones, because of, well, let's just stop there. It's because of phones, isn't it? You know, how many times have you heard somebody say, if you would just turn your phone off or just put your phone in airplane mode for 15 minutes while you're reading your Bible and see how it helps, you know? They did a study on students and that had their phone right by them and they were trying to do their homework. And it said that even with the phone there, just within their vision, that they could focus for about six minutes before getting distracted. Man, that's pretty sad. I actually think that was kind of an old study. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be interested to see. It probably is even less now. I don't know. But we are incredibly distracted. And the more we kind of let our brain go down the attention span candy route, meaning we don't push our attention span, we just sort of want to just read the little 30-second blurbs or we want to just maybe even just read the headlines. I started to challenge myself in this area a little bit because I like to read the news and kind of stay up to date on what's going on. I enjoy that. But sometimes from a either a speed or, man, there's just so much to take in, it's almost more tempting for me to just pull up the news site and just read the headlines. That can kind of be dangerous if you think about it, particularly depending on where you're getting your news, right? Because headlines, boy, they're just trying to grab you. But anymore, that's all people read. And so I had read some other article that was talking about how the long form of media has kind of gone away. It used to be that people would get newspapers. Remember those things? Like they were actually a paper and you, you know, got them on your doorstep on the weekends or, you know, in the morning. And there would be articles in there that would be what they would term as long form articles. And it would just be a more in-depth piece. Those have kind of gone the way of the dinosaur. Not only do you not find them very much, but how many of you guys, if you're really honest, when's the last time you read an article on your phone or on your iPad or on your computer that was maybe more than six paragraphs? If I'm being completely honest, just bearing my own lack of attention span here, I don't remember when I've done that. I skim it. I don't read that. It is really hard to make yourself just sit there with the attention span to read something for more than six minutes. 
maybe we should have a little poll and you guys should read something and see how long it takes you before you got distracted (laughs) and thought of like, what's for dinner or should I go switch the laundry or whatever? It's really tough to do. So back to what they were saying about how we should practice. The easy one, probably all know this. Yes, we got to focus. We got to minimize distractions. And then it also mentions doing frequent repetitions with breaks. That was important. They said that the amount of hours that somebody does, like now they're talking about maybe dancers or athletes or somebody who are really working super hard developing what their skill is, that they will devote 50 to 60 hours a week developing whatever skill that they're working on. That's a lot of time. Now, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, if you're sitting here going, Aim, how are you going to pull this into what the scripture says about what we practice? Well, hang on, it's coming. But one of the things that was so interesting about this study is that they said that there is also value in the things that you just practice in your brain. So let's come out of the realm of things that you might physically practice, whether it's an instrument or it's a sport or things like that. And also the things that we practice just mentally. So they did a little exercise with 144 students and they wanted them to improve on their free throws in basketball. And so for two weeks, they had these kids for the same amount of time, equivalent level of player, they had them practice their free throws for a specific amount of time, physically, out on the court, practicing free throws. Then they took another group of students, same level of ability, and they just had them mentally practice in their brain. So like just sitting there and imagining shooting hoops, where they stand on the court, throwing the ball, going in the net, just mentally practicing that in their brain. And what was interesting is that after two weeks of this practice, both the physical practice and the mental practice of these two groups, the average was that they had both improved when they had the kiddos that had just done the mental exercise. They had improved to the same rate at which the kids that had just come out on the court every day for the same amount of time and physically shot hoops. I find that interesting. What does that tell us really about the things and the power that our brain has to practice something? Now, we've all heard the thing about how long it takes to make a habit of something. And I'm saying all, but I I feel like this one is pretty well known. People will say it takes a minimum of 21 days to form a new habit. Well, usually they just say 21 days to form a habit. Or if they really are going for extra credit, they'll say, you know, 30 days That's the magic number. And if you do something for 30 days every day, you will have made it a habit. The person that originally came up with that study and the whole thing, they kind of dropped the fact that he had said a minimum of 21 days, and they just kind of shortened it to 21 days to form a new habit. And so we've kind of latched onto that. It's a little bit of a recipe for failure, maybe. I don't know how many of you guys have tried to practice something and develop a new habit, and you're like, yes, I'm going to do this for 30 days, or I'm going to do this for the 21 days, and then I'm going to have it. How successful are we typically at that? Usually it finds that somewhere week two, we've dropped the ball and you're like, well, great, I didn't do it. And so now I need to just ditch the whole thing. It's not going to happen. But as they have continued to study these things and really what does make us take something that we practice and turn it into a habit of something that we just regularly do and very instinctively, they say that on average, it takes more than two months before a new behavior comes on automatic. And depending on the behavior that you're trying to work on, it's very dependent on the person and the type of things that you're trying to do. And so once they broaden that with all of the things that we're considering, they they come up with the fact that it could take anywhere from 18 days 
to 254 days for people to form a new habit. Is that good news for you or bad news? I don't know. We like the quick thing, right? We like to just know that, man, in three weeks, I could have this down. That would be great. But we also, if you've ever tried that, you know that in reality, that doesn't really work out that way. Interestingly, the researchers, they also said that missing one opportunity to perform the behavior, meaning like if you drop the ball and you didn't do it that day, it actually said it didn't really matter. And it really didn't mess up where you were if you dropped the ball. And in fact, you just rather it just was a little bit of a reset. And then you keep going, building better habits. And it's not necessarily an all or nothing process. So there's a little background, a little bit of nerdy research, a little bit in the brain. But what does scripture tell us to practice? How can we use these things that we can learn about our own brains and what we do? And then how can we apply that to scripture on the things that it tells us to practice? In Philippians 4, verse 9, Paul says this to the Philippian church, and he says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, great. Practice these things. Well, what things? So let's back up for some context. Now, in fairness, he's even saying that the things that you've seen in me, so we could say it's even beyond this backing up a few verses. This is basically Paul saying all the things that you've heard me and that you've seen me teach, and yeah, practice this stuff. But here specifically is a little bit of a list of the things that he says to practice. So in Philippians 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then he kind of puts a bow on it with this lovely verse in verse 8 and says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then comes verse 9 that says, practice these things practice this. So that's quite a list. We could, and we probably have, (laughs) done podcasts where we just focus on that list, on the things that we're to practice. He says to practice being reasonable. You know, that seems easy, but goodness, in this day and age, it's getting real hard to find people who will just be reasonable, right? Just steady. Be of sober judgment. Be reasonable. Practice that. He says to not be anxious. Boy, maybe you just want to take that one and go, I just think I'll practice not being anxious, And maybe you can say you can practice that for one day. Maybe you can say you can practice that for the next hour. We find all kinds of things today to be anxious about. You may be anxious about work stuff. You can be anxious about your health. We can be anxious about every single time you open up your news app and you go, what in the world is going on here? We have so many things to be anxious about, according to the world. And yet what scripture tells us, what Paul is reminding us to practice is to not be anxious. Don't even go there. Capture that thought right away. Don't be anxious. What else? It says to practice prayer. This is, I think, sometimes goes right with that anxious one, right? The best way to not be anxious about something is to pray about it. And he says a specific way in which we should pray in this verse. He says to pray with thanksgiving. You can just practice being thankful. You can just practice being thankful. That's another thing that takes away that anxiety too. Because when you start just thanking the Lord 
for all the things that he's done. And maybe you're like, you know what? I'm in a really rough situation right now, and I'm not very thankful for this situation, this circumstance that I find myself in. I bet you if you think about it, if you pray with thanksgiving, you're going to find something that you can be thankful about in your situation that you're in. Even if your physical circumstances are horrible, if you are a Christian, if you are someone that has confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again and you're saved, that is the ultimate of what we can be thankful for. And I hope you guys don't hear that and go, oh, goodness, I've heard that so many times. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be thankful for that. Man, if that is your heart because you have heard that so many times, ask the Lord to just ignite that fire again of the love for Him and the thanksgiving for salvation, because that's a huge thing for us to be thankful for. So practice being thankful. And then he follows the, puts that little bow verse that I was talking about in verse eight, the practice right thinking. And we've talked about this one. This is the teener plaps, right? We did a devoted live on this. We've talked about this one plenty, but this is just practicing the way we think, running those things. Now, remember when I'm talking about practice, I don't want you to think about just doing the same thing you've always done because that's the way you've always done it. Remember, it's to push beyond mastery. You're really stretching yourself. You're recognizing a weakness that you have and you're pushing past that. That's what we're meaning by practice. So if we wanna practice right thinking, we're practicing thinking about the things that are true. I've said it before, guys, that's often where those anxieties, all of the things that we freak out about, we can stop ourselves right there with that very first one. Just think about the things that are true. Because half the time, we're really freaked out about things that just are not true. We've imagined them. We think that, oh, for sure, if my husband is 10 minutes late, I'm sure it's because he's in a car accident. Is that true? Do you know that? No, we don't know that. We go there with our brain, but that's not thinking about the things that are true. So practice thinking things that are true, things that are noble, things that are right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. It's a beautiful list, right? Those are the things that we can practice, and that's what Paul is giving us. But there's other things that the Word tells us that we can practice. And one of them he talks about, Paul talks about, in when he's telling talking to Timothy, about how we can practice handling the Word. And in 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of truth. A couple things in this one that strike me is that he says to present yourself as a worker. When you think of a worker, I wanted to look this up just to make sure I was understanding the full context of this word, but they're actually meaning like a laborer. That's what the audience would have heard this word worker as. Think of like somebody who's doing farm work. This is like kind of the sweaty work. This is somebody with a shovel. This is somebody who is really getting in there, getting uncomfortable, breaking a sweat and working. That kind of work. So really applying yourself in a way that is is really stretching you. So that's what we're talking about when we're meaning a worker. But it also said a worker who need not be ashamed. That is so important for us to remember, especially as we get really down on ourselves when we're like, man, I didn't do this again. Man, I was going to practice this, but I didn't. And and now I'm just lost. No. Remember, it says a worker who need not be ashamed. And we know that from other scripture. Romans 8.1 says, we are not condemned. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we are workers who do not need to be ashamed. And then he follows it with rightly handling the word of truth. That rightly handling, if you're like, I don't 
quite understand how am I going to, it's like a certain way I hold my Bible. What are we talking about here? The word there is meaning to not distort, not distort. Think about that. Are there ways, you know, thinking about when we were, when I was mentioning, maybe we'll dig into a podcast on misunderstood scriptures, maybe well-intentioned, but there's times that we can take scripture and we can distort it a little bit. We can water it down. We can, we can slap an application onto our situation from a verse, maybe without really looking at proper context, without looking at what the author is really saying, how it's consistent and congruent with the rest of Scripture. Those are all things that we need to consider when we're thinking about rightly handling the word of truth, to not distort it. Paul also talked about some other things that we are to practice. And when he talked to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 through 15, he says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. And then verse 15, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Good stuff here, okay? Thinking about this little list that he's saying what you should practice, and he says public reading of Scripture. Well, where do we see public reading of Scripture? Going to church. Yep, public reading of Scripture. And I, and again, I have to challenge that public reading of Scripture is not just watching our YouTube live stream church service. Public reading of Scripture is actually going in public and hearing the scriptures taught. And it says, it follows it up to exhortation and to teaching. That's in public. I don't need to give you guys the disclaimers. There's seasons in life. There's times that we find that we're just real thankful we have the technology to be able to watch church and stream church. And there's all kinds of circumstances why that might be appropriate. But we cannot cross out these scriptures that say we are to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, that we are to, to do what this is saying here in First Timothy, devote yourself to public reading of scripture, exhortation, and to teaching. It means you have to go out of your house. It really does. Okay, so do not neglect, he says, the gift that you have. Another thing, practicing the gifts that the Lord has given you. What are those? Do you have some gifts and things that the Lord has blessed you to do, but you just kind of set them over on the side? I don't know. Maybe I'm not that good at that thing and I should just leave that over there. Boy, lay that in front of the Lord and see if he would have you, what this is saying, not neglect the gift that you have. Because the Lord has given us gifts and things that we can do with our hands. And sometimes it's the most obvious thing in our hands. I always am encouraged by moms who maybe have little kids and they have things that maybe it would be huge blessings in the world and the workforce. That's what the world would say. But they feel like, oh, I'm forsaking that gift, that talent in order to be home with my kids when when they're in the season. Man, you are still exercising a gift that you have, and it's an extremely high calling to your kids right now if you're in a newborn stage, a toddler stage, when they're third grade, fourth grade. Do not grow weary in well-doing because there are gifts and things that the Lord has blessed you to do in this season right now that you need to practice those things and do those things. And then he says to practice these things. And do you love that? He says, immerse yourself in them. Like, go for it. That word there, immerse, is to do so in doing it well, doing it with quality. So, don't just do it to check the box. No, Paul's telling Timothy, when it comes to your gifts, when it comes to this public reading of scripture and exhortation and teaching, all of these things, do it well. Do it well. 
We're also told that we need to kind of practice what we preach. We need to be doers. This is something else we need to practice. James 1, 22 through 23 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror and then forgets what he looks like, right? If I were to go on, I'm shortening that passage just a little bit. But the idea is to be a doer of the word and not just hearing it. So every one of us has to ask ourselves when we spend our time in the word, and if there was something that the Lord, man, it kind of highlighted for you off the page, did you do what it said? Or did you just kind of leave that there and the next day you kind of already forgot what it is that the Lord hit you with? We need to be careful to practice the things that we preach. Coming back to parents, this is one of those things that we can't just tell our kids to follow Jesus if we aren't following Jesus and really what that means to follow Jesus. Our kids, they catch so many things that are not taught. You've heard that, you know, some things are caught, not taught. There's a lot of things about our own personal walk with the Lord that is caught by our kids and not taught. Do our kids see us prioritizing scripture in our day? Is it something that they know of us that, man, that's really important to mom that she gets her time in the word every day? Do they see that? Man, you might not even say one word about what you read that day to your child, but if they have seen you do it and they've seen you practicing that, that speaks huge. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just something like how you treat your husband. What does that relationship look like? They learn so much about marriage, about forgiveness, about just the love and the feel that a home should look like that's following Christ by the actions, just by being doers of the word. Maybe it's not even something that we said. Parenting is probably the best example of something that is, it's the long haul, right? It's not something that you sit your kids down once and you tell them all the things and then they just... They just got it from there. That's not how it works. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We train our children in good practice, not for immediate result, but it's often for a very long-term one. And that speaks to us personally, too, not, not just kids, not just parenting, but doing things over time with good practice is not something necessarily that's that immediate result. Remember that TED Talk that said that if you do something for a whole bunch of hours, you might get proficiency briefly, but if you're not pushing yourself past the point of mastery, it's just going to be brief and you're not going to really have long-term excellence at that. Something else that we can practice that we don't really love to practice is patience. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. There's a lot in this passage. I love this verse so much. And there's lots of different verses we can talk about about patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit, right? We don't love to practice patience. We don't love to push past the point of mastery on patience. We're just kind of an immediate gratification society, right? Can we get it faster? How can we practice patience? How can we stretch ourselves beyond what's comfortable in order to move towards mastery when it comes to patience? Are we ruled by the urgent? This is something I ask myself all the time, you know? The notifications on your phone or your email, your texts, the phone calls, and they just demand our attention like right away, right? And sometimes I think we need to realign those things. If we get an email or a text, 
do you want to just respond real quick? Sometimes I think I do because I just don't want to forget to actually respond. But at the same time, I wonder if when that happens, when that text and the email, when they come, maybe I shouldn't respond right away. Maybe I should sit with my response for a little bit, maybe even a little bit longer than comes naturally to me. Maybe I should do it. And I know I'm doing it because I I don't want to forget, right? But maybe it should just sit on a sticky note for a second. And maybe I should be praying about that for a day or a week or two weeks, you know? But being careful that in our fast-paced world of everything has to be done fast and everything seems so urgent, maybe it's a way that we can just kind of pause for a moment and go, maybe I should practice some patience with this. 1 John 3, 4 through 10. I want to read, get to this passage because it kind of tells us some things to practice and then it tells us some things not to practice. So it's kind of all in this one section. So verse 4 of chapter 3 in 1 John says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practice lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So I hope I didn't lose you in too long of a passage, but I just didn't know how to shorten it because it just continued to focus on the things that here's what we should practice and here's what we don't want to practice. And the bottom line is he says, practice righteousness, don't practice sin. Now you might be going, well, that sounds really obvious. I'm not meaning to sin. Well, sometimes we are meaning to sin. And when it says practice sin, these are the things, this is not the unintentional things that you do that you're like, you're coming and you're asking for repentance because you just totally dropped the ball. Remember, practice is pushing towards mastery of something. And if we're pushing towards mastery of sin, this is a huge problem. There are things in our life, guys, that we just need to call sin. And we just need to call a spade a spade and go, that is sin in my life that needs to be completely cut out. But our sin nature, we get a little comfy with our sin and we do start practicing it. And that's a dangerous spot to be in. So we need to evaluate the things that are sin in our life, and you know what those are. The Holy Spirit convicts you of those things. You know exactly what those things are. It's just whether or not you want to stop practicing it, and instead of practicing the sin, practice the righteousness that God is asking of us to those that belong to Him. So what happens, though, when we're practicing the bad stuff? You know, Galatians 6, 7, it reminds us, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Just like I was just talking about the sins that we practice, the things that are sin in your life, you probably know what those things are. And we all know if we do things that are bad for us, it's not going to reap good fruit. If I sit around and eat cupcakes all day, eventually there's going to be a problem, right? There's going to be some diabetes down the road. We know the things that are not good for us. So don't sow seed unto those things. So maybe sit with this for a second. You know, what are some bad seeds 
that you're sowing, dare I say even practicing. Ask yourself those things. Where are we spending our time? Are we sowing good seeds or bad seeds when it comes to our time? And you notice I didn't say there's no neutral seeds. It has to be one or the other. Are you sowing good seed? Or are you sowing bad seed? But that you are going to be planting something. You're going to be doing whatever you're spending your time on. It's doing something, you know? Is it good? Is it bad? But there's no neutral. You're going to be planting something. So what is that? And Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Evaluating how we use our time and if we're sowing good stuff or we're sowing bad stuff, that's a really important question for us to ask because we don't want to be wasting any time. We don't want to be wasting any time these days. Now, here's a little warning about our practice. Matthew 6.1 says, be aware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will be have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. I think this is a good caution for us as well, because sometimes we might want to go, oh, look how great I'm doing. Do you guys see all the righteous things that I'm practicing? <laughs> and I know that sounds ridiculous when I say it that way, but we can kind of do that, you know? And it's just reminding us, this is a good warning that we have here in Matthew, that be careful of that. Don't practice your righteousness because you're wanting to impress other people. That's not what that's for at all. And we will have no reward from our Father in heaven for that. Another big one to practice, wrapping up here, but practice repentance. All of these things that I've been mentioning, there's things, whether it's a sin that you need to think about, man, am I practicing that? Am I pushing towards mastery on that sin? Am I sowing bad seed? Am I wasting time? There can be all these things where we, there might be something where there just needs to be some genuine repentance before the Lord. First John 1, 9 makes that so easy and so clear. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love how short that verse is. I love that anybody can memorize that verse because it's such good news for us, guys. There's going to be things that we have wasted time on. And there's things that are going to go, man, that was some bad seed that I was sowing. Or that was just useless seed. It was, I need to get rid of that in my life. And those are things where we need the practice there needs to be that we're just repentant. That we just come to the Lord and say, Lord, I confess of this sin. Take it. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it says he is faithful and just to forgive us. That's just a beautiful thing. So we need to practice repentance. We also just need to remember, gals, if you're feeling like there's been just areas here that we've blown it, yep, we need to repent when we have. But we also need to be reminded just of the Lord's goodness. Lamentations 3, 21 through 23 says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And then it says in verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We are not so faithful, are we? We're going to mess up. We're going to drop the ball. We're going to need to practice this area of repentance and coming to the Lord and, and asking him just to wipe it clean. But he is faithful every single time. And I love this, just even this picture that his mercies are new every morning. What a great reminder for us. If you're listening to this and you just kind of feel bogged down by maybe a ton of bad choices or maybe things that you haven't been practicing, 
or maybe you're just kind of going through the motions on things. Maybe you've been taking your Bible reading and your Bible study, and it's just kind of been more of a checkbox, and you've not really been spending some thankful time in prayer and having the Lord just completely redeem that time and push you, stretch you to a place of mastery with handling the Word. There are so many things that I think that, that the Lord has something very personal for each of us in His Word about the things that we can practice. So maybe practice doesn't make perfect, but I think that practice and the things that we practice, Scripture has some very specific things that it wants us to be mindful of. So I hope that these Scriptures have been a good reminder to you. Just want to remind you guys, I always put these things in the show notes. Go check them out because I don't want you to just hear my words. I would love for you to open your Bible, search these things for yourself, spend some time with the Lord and ask Him about the things that you're practicing and how you need to make some adjustments in that. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at avcreek.com.